0: Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Joe Luman. I am Pastor Caleb's wife, and I am in the pastoral team in this church, too. And um, I am so very honored to be here. Like Pastor Brandon said, our pastors, our lead pastors are um, on vacation, and it's a very well-deserved vacation. I agree with that, obviously. Uh, they work really hard, so I'm so, so glad that they are up there with family, with their girls, having a good time. So, But I'm honored to be here, um, and we've been talking about Thessalonians for um, about three weeks now. Last week we did the Agape League. Who was here for the Agape League? Okay, I wasn't here. I was, I was on vacation in Colombia, and we watched it online. It was so... Awesome. I was kind of sad. I was missing it. It was so amazing. We have a performing arts ministry. So if you want to get involved, you can just email us at one of the emails you saw and we'll get it. And um, it's just really great for the kids and for the youth to get involved. It's really amazing. But Pastor Ben started this series a few weeks ago. He spoke about 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. He talked about hope a little bit and I'm going to just... I'm gonna pick up where he left off, left off, and then I'm gonna talk about 1 Thessalonians chapter three. So let's go to that book. Um, the book of Thessalonians is in the New Testament. So the Bible has the Old Testament and then the New Testament, and then in the New Testament you have the Gospels: Mark, no, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then you have a few other books in there, and then you have First and Second Thessalonians. So look for it. If you make it to Timothy. Either one of the timothys if you make it to hebrews you went too far um it's really hard for me to find books in the bible by the way Um, pastor katie when i was much younger and i went to pastor ben and katie's youth group um she had this thing and she was like in the new testament you can do god eats popcorn god god galatians ephesians philippians colossians and i was like that's genius because popcorn is awesome She loves it I love it and I can remember God loves popcorn but then God eats popcorn but then I was like well where's the Salonians though that won't help me so maybe don't follow that one but (laughs) but remember God eats popcorn gives you four books of the Bible that's great so are you all there are you all there Um, okay so I'm gonna go ahead and pray first Lord God I thank you for today I thank you lord god for the word that you have put inside of me i thank you lord that this word is timely that it's not me that is sharing it lord god but it's a word that you want to share to the people that are here today may every word that comes out of my mouth be a word that you want me to share let everything that happens here happen through your grace and not my own strength let it not be me who gets glorified by you and let every person that lives here leave this place knowing more of you in the name of jesus amen So the book of Thessalonians is really, there are two books of Thessalonians, and they are really um, letters. They are letters that Paul, an apostle, wrote to the church at Thessalonica. Thessalonica was this area or this city uh, that was in the Roman Empire, and he went to Thessalonica. You can see all of this story in Acts chapter 17, but I'm going to tell it to you anyways. Um, He went to Thessalonica, and he spent a few weeks there. And after being there for a few weeks he he, the first thing he did he went to the synagogue where the jews met and they were the reason he went there is because they knew about god so it was easy for him to talk about god and then say you know that messiah that the bible and your your uh scriptures talk about that messiah came he's jesus so it was it was easy for him to make that transition So he went to the synagogue and a whole bunch of Jews believed him and a whole bunch of Jews decided to follow Jesus and he was so excited but a lot of Jews got really offended by what he was saying because he was talking about a kingdom and he was talking about a new king who was Jesus and the kingdom of heaven and at that time with the Roman Empire talking about a different kingdom was actually considered treason. And you would die because of that. So some of the Jews weren't happy about what he was saying because he was like moving things around with the Jewish community. So they started talking about everybody in the town saying this guy is talking about a kingdom and a king. That's treason. You should get rid of him. So the ch- the people in the church that believed him got him out of Thessalonica and moved him to this town called Berea that was close by. Well, the people from Berea, the people from Thessalonica chased him down to Berea and chased him out of Berea, too. So he ended up way down in Athens and... uh so so this is where we're at so he moved he left and he went up to Colo- uh, no actually he went to Corinth and in Corinth he wrote these letters so he writes these letters to them and, and the letters just to speak of everything that they went through and everything that he was worried that he didn't get to share with them because he was with them for such a short amount of time he wanted to be with them longer but he didn't get to so he was concerned and he wrote these letters so let us um, let us read finally When we could stand it no longer, you know what, I'm going to, I have it here in a different translation, I'm going to change it, there you go. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith, that no one be moved by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are destined for these. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass, and and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you, and our labor would be in vain. We're going to stop there and then take it back in the the sixth part of that. Um, So what he's telling them right here is that, he, he wanted to write to them, and he could bear no longer, so he sent Timothy, who was one of his companions, he sent him back to check on them and to make sure that they were okay. Um, and the reason he wanted to check on them is because they were going through a lot of tribulation, and you're wondering, like, what, what could they be going to? And it took me a minute to understand what was so hard about what they were going through. Um, I'm Colombian, and I actually moved out of Colombia eight years ago, and I moved here to the States, and uh, my plan was always to go back to Colombia, but um, I... Um, found this amazing hot guy and I just married him and stayed because who wouldn't so I stayed and um I've been here for years and I love it and God wants me here that's the most important thing but I was just in Colombia last week and um just the feeling of having family around I was like this is so nice I have family and they are so sweet and they do everything for me and the girls and they take them and it's lovely um, and I can go to dinner with my husband and it's fine um, and then I remembered that that's exactly what I have in San Diego the only difference is that we're not blood-related but you guys became my family eight years ago when I moved here this church well the church became my family and I was just so grateful for that um, every single person here I love deeply and uh, some more than other and that's okay if you hang out with me I love you more that's fine uh, just watch my girls I love you um, <laughs> but I realized these people are my family and I love them dearly as much as I love my family in Colombia and and then I thought of the Thessalonians these people were a church Paul came he spoke to them and they were divided and the people that were family to them started chasing them they received persecution from those they loved the most from their family from their closest to them I don't know if you've ever had anybody close to you that you love so much to speak ill of you but it hurts it stinks more than when a stranger when a stranger says something bad about you you're like whatever you don't know me But when it's somebody close when it's your family when it's your family trying to chase you down say that you are you are uh, you know you're trying to get something going on that it's treason trying to get you killed really because that's what they were doing trying to get them killed that hurts that hurts a lot and paul was concerned for them because they were baby christians they had just met god they had just known about him and now they were seeing their friends their family the people that watch their kids say you're a liar what are you doing we want to kill you that must have hurt and the problem with that Paul says here is that I'm concerned that because of that the devil who is our enemy is going to get you the thing that you should give up that it's not worth it to follow this Jesus because it's too hard he was concerned about that and he tells them I know I told you guys when I was there hard things were gonna come and he says that because he knew them very well he had been chased. He had been persecuted. He had been—all things had happened to him. So much so that in Second Corinthians 12, it speaks about a, a thorn on his side, and I don't really know what that meant. He says that G, the God allowed to have a thorn, allowed for him to have a thorn from Satan, and three times he pleaded with God to take him away, but He wouldn't to keep him humble. Think about that. Paul understood pain, but the difference between Paul and the Thessalonians is that Paul understood that tribulation is part of life. That what matters really is not whether tribulation comes or not, whether hard times come or not. What matters is how do we respond to that hard time. That's what matters. He said, I understood. I understood that this hard time, this thorn in my flesh, and I don't know if that was depression, sickness, I don't know what that was. But that thorn on his side does does not sound fun. He understood that it was something that God was using to keep him humble. Because with pride, he couldn't serve God. And that's what he longed to do the most. So he's telling them all these things. And then I started thinking about us. And how, I'm sure you've all heard about diamonds. And how diamonds are really just coal under pressure. For many 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 years which is true it's carbon really not coal but um, it's carbon that under a lot of pressure crazy amounts of pressure for thousands and millions of year years became a diamond so that's what it is and God allows for some trials in our lives so that we go from carbon to diamond and we have to understand that but the thing is not every piece of carbon becomes a diamond it's only the pieces of carbon That are able to withstand the crazy amount of pressure that they are under that become a diamond and as time moves on as time goes on this piece of carbon is turning into something more and more precious and more and more precious and more and more precious until suddenly you have a diamond but I'm sure that at some point in that process some of the pieces of carbon just explode some of the pieces of carbon move away some of the pieces of carbon just can't stand the amount of pressure. But if we understand that this pressure has a purpose, if we understand that the pressure that we are under has the purpose of turning us into the diamond that really is inside of us, then we'll take the pressure. I would. I would. Um, As I said, my husband and I were in Colombia, and we had this amazing opportunity to meet with some pastors at this church down in Colombia. It's a huge church, 30,000 people. They are busy. Um, it's, It's amazing. It's truly amazing what they are doing down there. Uh, but we had the opportunity to meet with the co-pastors, which are the lead pastors, and <clears throat> they were um, they were speaking to us and just encouraging us, and then they brought in this woman, and she's been with the church since it started. They started 20 years ago, and she's been there since it started. And she was talking to us, and she's in charge of these encounters. The encounters are just a weekend where people come in, and they speak about all these different things to help people move on from their past into their present, and just you know understand their one to their presence so this woman is in charge of these encounters they go a weekend they stay in a hotel it's pretty cool it's pretty neat so she was talking about it and the lead pastor he's so busy right now Thirty thousand people imagine that and um he has i think eight services in the weekend and he was losing his voice he was getting sick so he's not in charge of the encounters he doesn't even deal with the encounters anymore this woman is in charge of them and she has been for a few years now well they had this thing And and they feed them. So he went in. He just wanted to check how things were. He wanted to be there and just, you know, hang out. And he went and he saw that they were making sandwiches. And he went into the kitchen, um, the hotel. He went into the kitchen and started making a sandwich and showing them all how the sandwiches should be made for the people of the church so he grabbed a piece of bread and he started showing them and he was like this is how i want the bread like this is how i want the bread this is the type of bread that i want this is how i want the sandwich made Thirty thousand people this guy probably has a whole bunch of things to do but he was telling them how to make a sandwich and my husband and i looked at each other because we happen to know a pastor that is like that (laughs) i won't name any names but we do Um, And we just laughed at each other, and we were like, okay, I guess it's an epidemic. um, (laughs) um, But the amazing thing was what she said after. She said, and when he did that, it touched my heart so deeply, because I saw how madly he loved the people of our church, that even a sin was important enough for him to come down and show everybody that his church, the people that he was entrusted with, had to have the best Sandwich possible. Do you know what I thought when she was sharing the story? He's a micromanager and he has issues. <laughs> the difference between her and I is perspective. The difference between her and I is that she understand and I will apologize to my pastor and I will say Pastor Ben we were wrong we're sorry we love that you micromanage even though he really doesn't but we love that you send the emails and ask about the sandwiches and because really what he communicates when he sends those emails and when he's asking us to do things um, that we could do it's not that he doesn't trust us it's not that he wants to know every detail what he's communicating is I love this church so much I love what God has given me so much. See, the difference between this woman and I is that under pressure, she has the right perspective. I don't. Under pressure, she that her pastor was being loving. And under pressure, I instead thought he's a micromanager. Who's gonna become the diamond, really? There are so many things that happen in relationships that go that really boil down to perspective. They really boil down to perspective. Uh, <clears throat> there is this thing that misunderstanding often leads to mis- misconduct. Misunderstanding often leads to misconduct. When you misunderstand someone or when you understand someone and you don't like when you understood, that's a misunderstanding. Philippians 4:8 talks about um, I'm going to read it, actually. I want to memorize it, but I, I tried and I couldn't. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable if anything is excellent or praiseworthy think about such things my husband and I have that written well had that written in our mirror in the bathroom because when he does something to me that hurts me what I want to think is I'm sure he was trying to help it hurt me there's no doubt but I'm sure his intention was never to hurt me I'm sure and that changes the conversation because then I come to him and I say honey I know that you were trying to help me but when you did that it really hurt my feelings instead of coming and saying I cannot believe you would do that (laughs) it's different isn't it and that's the same way with every single relationship we have I don't know what relationships you have in your life right now and if there is conflict go solve it think about what is pure think about what is lovely think about what is great in them and think about how they probably didn't want to hurt your feelings it just happened that they hurt you And as you misunderstand their intentions, you're going to end up misbehaving. Because misunderstandings lead to misconduct. You're going to end up misbehaving you. It's on you. It's on us. The ones who misunderstood. The ones who are hurt. Because you think, well, they hurt me. They better come back to me. They don't even know they hurt you. They have no idea. Sometimes my husband hurts me, and he has no idea. He thought he was being super sweet. And I'm like, I can't believe he did. How could he? Sometimes I'm crazy. I'll admit that. But, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I think one day he made me, I love tea. And he made me tea. But it was hot in San Diego. And, and I was like, I can't believe you made hot tea. Are you trying to kill me? Hot tea? And he's like, I was trying to be sweet. I don't know. Um, so, yeah. See, if, if I misunderstand somebody, if I misunderstand what they are saying, it is my job to go to them and say, you know what? I, I misunderstood you. Could you could you explain it because how you said it, it hurt my feelings? Because it is our job to withstand trials and really the hardest trials. In my opinion, the hardest trials are relationship trials. Because financial trials, you move past them. You you figure it out. It's fine. You can you can do it health trials. I well, maybe those are hard too. Uh, (laughs) But I relationship trials are so painful. they they hurt your heart they are so painful and it is our job to respond properly to trials and trials usually come from people people are there i think it's pastor ben who says it all the time the church would be awesome if it didn't have any people in it everything would work great but people have opinions people have lives people have you know a mind and it is our job as a people of God that understand that God puts us puts us through pressure to be able to become the diamond that He wants us to be to fix the relationships that are hurting in our lives, because that's a trial. We need to respond properly to trials and avoid misconduct. <clears throat> um, okay, so let us go back to the First Thessalonians three. Alrighty, but now. That Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you for these reason, brothers in all of our distress and affliction we have been comforted about you through your fate for now we live if you're standing fast in the Lord huh? I read that wrong I'm sorry for now we live if you're standing fast in the Lord for what for what Thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day, that we, may see your face to, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. I'm going to stop there. <clears throat> so he continues on saying how he sent Timothy and how he was worried about them. But he was so grateful that Timothy came back with a good report and Timothy came back and said you know what they are doing great you don't have to worry they are doing great he repeats twice in there he repeats two times he says when I couldn't bear it any longer have any of you been in a place where you feel like you can't bear it any longer like you're done when you say I'm done I can't I can't bear this any longer That's where Paul found himself. And he says, I can't when I couldn't bear it any longer. I sent Timothy to you so that he'd check on you. What in Acts nine it talks about when Paul was called by God and it says he was it's a really cool story you can read it but i'm gonna summarize it really quick um he was coming to a town he was actually persecuting christians so he did everything that um now he was being done to he persecuted christians and um he was on his way to persecute more christians and he had a revelation suddenly you know he saw something and he became a christian and he couldn't see and god told him go to this town and there is a guy there named ananias and he's gonna help you out because you're blind now so god then talks to ananias and he says to Ananias. hey Ananias Saul is coming and you have to help him his name was Saul before he became Paul Saul is coming and you have to help him and Ananias says "Uh, are you sure because the guy's a murderer he kills people like me he's like just do what I say because he says but the Lord said go for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to Kings as well as to people of Israel and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake when Paul knew about God he got a promise from God the promise was that he was gonna speak about him and people were gonna come to the kingdom of God because of what he said and the promise was also that he was gonna have pain so he knew that part but what when he couldn't bear it any longer with the Thessalonians he said Timothy go back and remind me that the promise is alive Go back and remind me of the promises that God has given me because I'm about to be done. I'm about to throw in the towel. I'm about to quit. And it's, it's such a great reminder to us that when we're about to be done, when we're about to quit, when we can not bear it no longer, we have to go back to the promises of God and say, I have to remember what you said about me. I have to remember what you promised me because I am about this close to quitting. And if you don't remind me, if you don't send someone to remind me, if I don't go to someone that could remind me, I'm going to throw in the towel. It just doesn't feel like it's worth it there are 3573 promises in the Bible for you for each one of you and I know that we say that and it's like yes for all of us but God is a personal God the Bible talks about how he knows you and he formed you when you were in your mother's womb so the promises are for you and some of you might be fainting and ready to give up and ready to be done I encourage you open your Bible and read the promises. Google it. Promises of God. Google these. I was actually going to have a printout with the promises of God. And I was like. <laughs> so Google it. Google the promises of God. Remember. But see, he did something else. He asked Timothy. Timothy, I can't bear it any longer. Go and remind me. Surround yourself with people. That when you're about to faint. When you're about to give up. Won't be like, yep, be done. That Christian life, not worth it. That tithing part eh not a good idea instead surround yourself with people that can say do you remember the word that was given to you do you remember when God spoke to you do you remember when he called you do you remember what the what the word says about you surround yourself with people that are gonna encourage you and pull you out because we will I'm guaranteeing you all of you in the future this is a prof- I'm so prophetic all of you in the future are gonna be in a place where you're gonna want to quit Or you're going to be done with whatever it is that you're going through with your job with the church with your friends with your spouse at one point or another in some area of your life you're going to want to quit and be done Not there yet right now write this down and if you are there go home and read the promises of God find a friend that can look at you and say you're not going to quit I'm not going to let you. I'm not going to let you. I'm going to go back to wherever I have to go back to ask him about what you did for them so that you can remember the kind of person that you are. See, Paul saw in the Thessalonians, because the Thessalonians were about to give up too. And Paul was able to see in the Thessalonians the diamond, even though they were just carbon. And there are people in your life that when they look at you, they see the diamond, even though you're just carbon right now. But it's uncomfortable to become a diamond. So you want to surround yourself by people that are just going to be the carbon around you and i was just gonna say you're just carbon leave it you're just carbon stop trying words are powerful don't let anybody speak words like that to you you're a diamond god created you he loves you so 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 much that he went through a crazy amount of trouble to save you crazy amount of trouble have you ever seen uh okay i've been watching downtown abbey it's a it's a historic you know tv show and it's england in the early 1900s and and i want to say all these words that they say and i want to be clever like them i'm not i'm not english but um but this is a, it's surrounding a house that's called Downton abbey and the house is this massive crazy home where like i don't know how many servants like 30 servants for like a family of five people it's pretty crazy it's huge it's massive it's humongous and uh, they are going through the, fir- the first world war and um, they're about to lose their home and all these things are happening and they go through these crazy things to be able to keep their home because it means so much to them because it means so much to the economy of the area they are willing to do anything anything to be able to save this home I have two girls, and I never knew love until I became, I never knew crazy mom love until I had them. I'm willing to do anything for them. Anything. Anything. But if God asked me to give them up for you, that would be really, I love you guys, but that would be really hard for me. That would be really, really hard for me. God loves you so much that he went through a crazy amount of troubles. He sent his son because he loves you. Because he sees the diamond in you. Because he said, I have to save them because there is this diamond in them that i got to pull out. Because with that diamond, the, the things that they'll do, the things that they'll see, the people that they'll change, i got to pull that diamond out. To pull that diamond out, I have to send my son to die, and that's going to be awful, but... It's worth it for. It's worth it. That's who you are. That's who you are. The people that God looks at and says. It's worth for my, do- for my son to die. So that they may live and live fully. And as the more and more I think about that. The more I feel like. I don't deserve it. Because when I look at me, I'm carbon. But the more I say, if he went through such troubles. I better be worth it. I better live a life. And I better respond to this pressure that he puts around me. In the proper manner. Um, When kings and queens. Had people around them. Every servant that they had. Would actually have every male servant that they had would have to be. um, uh, How do you say that would have to be emasculated would have to it was a eunuch. um, So they couldn't have the proper mechanism to be able to feel lust. Um, And the reason that kings and queens did that it was because the king didn't want any male around his king his queen. That would start feeling for her that would want the affection of the queen so if there was a treasurer, if there was anybody really um, <clears throat> that that was the the condition to work for the king and queen really closely with them not just you know not the people that brought the cups, but to work really closely with them they had to become eunuchs and they had to be you know cut off so um I was reading a book about that and it said that it's not very different with us as Christians there are things in our lives um we are called the bride of Christ The church is called the bride of christ and um there are things in us as the bride of christ that are gonna desire for the church to give us acclamation so i'm here and i'm preaching to you and i'm gonna want every one of you to go to facebook and say that was the best message i have ever heard in my life she changed my life she is amazing because that's my human nature i'm gonna want acclamation and, you know, Ben and Becca are going to want all of us to go, their hearts are going to want all of us to go and say, You're the best worship leader I have ever seen. I have never felt that. And God comes with knives, and usually knives are other people, to cut in us that which is going to want us to desire the acclamation of the bride, so that we can only think about the groom, which is Jesus Christ. Uh, God allows for people, in in my case, I call my husband my knife. (laughs) He's the instrument that God uses to make me better. So when he challenges me, when I get frustrated with him, I recognize that God is just using him to be the knife to make me the better person that I need to be. Pastor Ben is another knife in my life. (laughs) Because I work for him, we work closely. My daughters are a knife in my life. They challenge me. How do you respond when people challenge you? Do you recognize that they are being knives? They are being knives in the hand of God to cut off in you, in your heart, to circumcise your heart so that you will respond to the church properly and understand that your job is only to help people get closer to him and not for people to look at you and say, you're amazing. Because it's about God. He's the amazing one. Do we want people to look at him through us? Or do we want people to look at us and I must admit it sometimes I want people to look at me I was I felt so bad that it was raining today not for you but for my hair because I had to stand here in front of all of you looking like a lion Uh, who cares right (laughs) now that I think about it who cares but but that's my vanity and I allow I want to allow for God to keep cutting the things in my heart to keep removing things as painful as it may be i don't how i mean i i was gonna say how many guys have gone through circumcision i'm gonna no don't raise your hands um i really was about to ask them to <laughs> please don't raise your hands we do not need to know but i i've heard circumcision is actually quite painful imagine circumcision to the 10th and getting everything removed this is a painful process that they have to go through god cut something in us and it's a painful process because pain, does something in us, that pressure allows for us to go from being somebody that can only look at themselves to being somebody that says, I want to glorify the Lord with my life. Whatever, whatever I, however foolish I may look, doesn't matter if he gets glorified. But that means that we recognize the people in our lives that are knives. And we recognize that they are not meaning to harm us. They are not meaning to hurt us. But God is using them to be the knives that they are meant to be. And God will use you to be a knife in somebody else's life. So I don't know who you have to apologize to. I have to say, I'm sorry, I thought you were a jerk, but you're really a knife. So you're fine. <laughs> um, I've been quite sick in the last few days, so please forgive my voice. But <clears throat> I really encourage every one of you to remember today. If you live with any, I know sometimes I'm sitting there and I'm hearing parts and pieces because I'm thinking, is my daughter crying? Is something, is everything okay? Why is it so, it's really hot in here. Why is it so hot? All these things. But if you live with anything today, leave knowing that you're a diamond. And that every hard thing that you're going through is because God is allowing pressure to remove impurities and bring the best in you he doesn't hate you people don't hate you the biggest enemy that you have I might add it's not the devil the biggest enemy that you have lies in your head the biggest enemy that you have is you telling yourself the lies that the enemy has fed you don't speak ill of you remember that you are a diamond and every single trial that you're going through is because the Lord is allowing for you to go through something so that he can pull out that diamond in you. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.